Writers, this is a podcast about NaNoWriMo, and we are here to get you ready for November. I'm Christina Horner. And I'm Liz Leo. And this is How to Win NaNo. As a reminder, Liz and I are not actually affiliated with NaNoWriMo in any way, although we are friends with people who work there, uh, and we've both won consistently for over a decade, so we know what we're talking about. However, this isn't an official NaNoWriMo podcast. We just love them. This week, we're going to be talking about setting Setting. and genre. Genre. So, (laughs) we talked about doing this episode purely on setting, but... I think that it's really hard to disassociate setting and genre, mostly because uh, genre informs setting and vice versa. Um, And, you know, I think we all have our various preferences for the types of genres and settings we like to write. Like, for example, I love making fantasy, sci-fi settings, very otherworldly settings, and I rarely write contemporary real world. Yeah, whereas I'm the opposite. I, like, I love playing in our world and I like kind of um discovering the things that are interesting or unique or beautiful about the the place that people are and like picking out the things that maybe people don't notice from from our world so that's that's usually where I end up setting my my stuff I really like reading books also set in a contemporary setting where there is just one one tiny bit off. Oh yeah, that's and, my jam. That's yeah. like that's like my happy place where it's our world but ghosts exist or it's our world but something, you know, some something works slightly differently than you expect. It's like it takes it takes this place you know and then it makes it unfamiliar suddenly. For me, it's interesting because depending on depending on the idea that I'm working on, um, I find that setting either really drives the plot or it's very secondary. So I've written books uh, that entirely take place at a Renaissance fair, for instance, which is the book that I'm currently working on, um, and that dri- that drives the plot a lot because very specific types of activities go down at a Renaissance fair, and and it's so different than you know, a contemporary novel that, that is what is kind of interesting about the book. And so you really want to play with the setting and you really want to explore all of the things that make that place unique. I've also written, you know, a, a ghost book that just takes place in like random town USA that didn't, it, it really could have been set anywhere. It really didn't matter. It wasn't that it was like purposely nondescript. It just didn't have a lot of Um, impact on the plot and so it was just sort of like there was a school and there was like the local restaurant and and none of that really was what made the book interesting but I mean I might argue because I sort of know that story that potentially something like that like there's obviously a reason you said it in random small town USA right that's true like most of my books are set in random small town USA (laughs) and that has to do with like what you're interested in writing and reading and 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 I think probably says a lot about your background and yeah that's where you came from I mean so for example the last nano I wrote was pretty much the most setting analogous like didn't really matter setting book that I've written it was in contemporary and scenes would happen wholesale in random different places because it was written written non-linearly which is apparently hard for me to say and 
the main setting change was time because it was epistolary, which I sure hope I'm pronouncing correctly. And yes, nonlinear. So to me, the setting became more about time. Mm-hmm. So I think even if the setting isn't per se a character or isn't uh, like, like you may not think about that book that that Small Town USA is in any way a large part of it, but I might argue that it's clear you made those decisions for a reason. It's probably because she was more isolated. That's true. It didn't take place in an urban city. Yes. You know, it didn't take place on a farm. She it was couldn't like... just go to the club every night if she wanted. Right. And meet tons of people. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and it's those things are just kind of happening in the background. It's not necessarily like, for instance, the book that I wrote last year was very setting-based. Um, it takes place in North Dakota on this very specific farm um, over over kind of three generations of women's lives. And so much of the book, I, I had never written something that delved into historical fiction. And so much of that book was research on was this thing invented yet? You know, if, if this was happening, what was happening in the world during this time? You know, when was the war? Like there were so many things that I had to take into consideration having, having this book take place in this very specific spot over very specific times. Um, and so that was, that was really different for me. I'd never really written something that was so, um, uh, dependent on kind of what was going on in the world and the very specific spot that it was set. Um, and, and I found it to be really awesome and really fun, but like, oh my God, so time consuming to do that research while you're writing. And, and that's the, to the point that genre goes in hand in hand with setting, because if you're doing anything that's historical, um, fiction, you, or if, you know, you could be writing historical nonfiction, if you're doing historical, you are doing something period and it's going to be a completely different type of setting, mm-hmm. maybe a different type of writing, a different type of research. That's honestly one reason why I've never done period. And if I ever do anything that's historical, it will probably be some sort of alternate history. <laughs> it was really hard because it was like, you know, I'm, I'm so used to writing contemporary and like my book was still, I mean, historical fiction is just contemporary of a different time. And so there were so many things that I had to look up. Like what did kids do for fun in the forties? What books were teens reading in the seventies? Like just things that you don't think about. And, and it, it is interesting how like the setting really does kind of have to, like those things don't feel like setting, but they really are because a girl who lives on a farm in the seventies and only has a, like a small one room library, like what would she read? Totally different answer than if she was, you know, in like New York City or something like that. Yeah. And and I think the more I'm thinking about it, the more I play with where things are on a timeline as setting, like I've done a few things that are in the future. I have done one historical piece, but it is very lightly historical Mm. and it is more, uh, it is more like, oh, you know, Victorian era as a veil mm-hmm. than as, you know, anything to really sink your teeth into. Lastly, there's sort of just full out fantasy, mm-hmm. in which case you're actually having to do a large amount of extra world building because the legwork hasn't been done for you. You can't just Google yeah. what did people read in this time. <laughs> you have to think like... What okay. would people read? What, would people, what did people read in this world? And some people are so much more comfortable in that space. Some um, people love it. I, I love doing it. I don't love it yeah. as much. But I haven't really tried it. 
if I'm being honest. But it hasn't ever really appealed to me. I don't know. It's just a different kind of, just a different kind of beast. Yeah, I worked actually on the world building team for Magic for a couple of years as well. And even though I did graphic design, I got <laughs> to be around world building. And so, I, and I was, I'm still constantly impressed with the people who can just come up with like lore really easily. Oh, yeah. I still don't think I'm, I'm a that type of lore master. I tend to like world building in terms of allegory. Like one of my more mm. recent novels, I was working on rewriting has um, a setting in which there is a type of magic that is built into the base of the world that's an allegory for the patriarchy. Mm, So for me, I tend to work in setting as some form of, uh, yeah, some form of metaphor or or something like that. Less as a character, the way that I think you could say Middle Earth is a character of Lord of the Rings, you know. I I tend to think of it more as like a, a... metaphorical backdrop yeah that makes sense do you um do you ever find that your setting is uh sort of restricting uh, so in in good and bad ways like with with constraint comes creativity so Absolutely. i've written a number of novels that take place at a single location like i mentioned my renaissance fair book i also realized that i wrote a book where two characters um they decide to meet each other and they meet exactly halfway between them which happens to be at this carnival and so i have a, a book oh, that yeah. also takes place entirely at a carnival which i realize is very similar to taking place at a ren fair so i think i've got a thing about like festivals um but i also one time and this was sort of a genre bending um year for me and it was a year that i kind of went out of my comfort zone and tried something really weird that didn't totally work but i think i learned a lot in the process but i wrote a book that sort of switched this was a very weird year I don't recommend doing this but I wrote a book where my my idea was that every like quarter of the book I was going to just switch genres so like the first half of the book is just sort of like friends meeting for a reunion and it just feels sort of like contemporary like interpersonal whatever then the second quarter of the book it's like a horror novel because all of a sudden they're like in the woods and all this scary stuff's happening why do I not remember this book it was a weird book I don't know if I talked about it too much but then in the third quarter of the book all of a sudden you find out that this like little cat that they're hanging out in is actually like a spaceship and the spaceship like autopilot like blasts off into space and suddenly they're like hurtling toward an alien planet yes so i remember this book the idea was super cool and like super like also dumb but like i i was having a lot of fun with it until i went to sci-fi because one i don't really write sci-fi two i don't know anything about spaceships three i don't know anything about space and so all of a sudden i had gotten my characters in this situation where the rest of the book, or at least this sci-fi quarter of it, needed to take place entirely on the spaceship. And I, like, I don't know spaceship terminology. I don't. Oh, like, I don't either. I make it up. Yeah, but, like, I don't consume a lot of sci-fi, and so I was just, like, so out of my depth. And it was fun, and I was having a lot of fun, like, playing with, like, this interpersonal, like, you know, it t- turned into, like, sort of, like, bottle episode thing. Like, now everyone's, like, stuck in the spaceship, and, like, what gets exacerbated, and, like, how does the tension build when you're in these confined quarters? But I just had no idea what the F I was doing in a spaceship. And so I was just like, I gotta get them out of this spaceship, because I just felt really stuck so sometimes I I find that like setting can be almost too restricting if you're like I don't even know how to like move the characters from room to room because I don't know how a spaceship operates Um, I I understand that similarly to like when I did my sort of time travel book uh, the the one I was talking about that was non-linear I didn't go to like various other times in the universe right I kept it to like within a 30 to 40 year yeah because (laughs) I wanted to be restricted yeah and i didn't want to 
have the openness of having to like now I have to research this time period now I have to research this time period god love all the people who do time travel novels and mm-hmm. actually pay attention to all those things because it's it's a lot of work my last book was sort of a time travel novel but it was yes. like light it was like time travel light and it was um it was a little easier to manage and um I think that just the more I think about how setting can change your story I actually rewrote a nano novel um in nano again they had a complete setting change and I mentioned my Victorian England novel I rewrote that in modern day sorority fraternity like Ivy League East Coast school so I was I was mapping over a setting that I thought was analogous um I feel like I've used the word analogous here twice to mean two different things (laughs) on this podcast nobody's fact checking us Uh, please Please don't fact check us. And also, actually, I wanted to... I, I just went quiet for a second because I was looking at something. Um, I want to give a shout out to the Zoe Cats on Twitter. She sent us an email asking us specifically about um, rewriting nano novels, And that's actually something I think we've even mentioned before. So we want to do a whole episode talking about this. So we'll definitely come back to that novel and go a little bit more in depth in our various experiences rewriting novels. So keep an eye out for that episode. Thanks, Zoe. Oh, yeah. I think rewriting novels is incredibly useful, but also since we're considering setting right here an exercise that you should do and I might do after this episode is done actually, is to think, is this the right setting for my novel? Mm -hmm. Because when I did that first novel, I realized that I could take the sort of trite and tropey version of this novel and move it into a place where it would have more meaning and probably uh, be more interesting because it was a change of setting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, you you were talking about your novel, Small Town USA. Like, if you just did the thought exercise of what would it look like if this was in a city? What would it look like if this was in the past or mm-hmm. the future? And maybe it would look cooler. Or maybe it's like, no, she needs the isolation in order to make this plot work. Yeah. I mean, that's always something that I consider with a lot of different elements of my my, my writing is, you know, you have an idea and you're like, is this the best way forward? Is there another way that I could do this? Is there another place that I can set this? Is there another person who whose point of view this should be from? Um, that's always an awesome thing to just sort of like run through, especially if you start writing and it doesn't feel like it's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ch- changing point of view is is one that I know is a great trick that I've never quite gotten the courage to do. Right. (laughs) Changing a POV character. I know. I always get so attached to my main characters. Yeah. Um, Something I wanted to bring up, this is going a little off topic, um, not off topic, off. We control the topic. Yeah. We're in charge. I wanted to talk about the fact that I uh, tend not to be so good at setting in my first draft. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously, like, I pick a spot, you know, and I sort of, like, commit to that. But in terms of, like, the descriptive writing that kind of puts a reader in that spot, you know, like, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you smell? What what colors are things? Like, what's the texture of stuff? Like, I don't necessarily go that deep on that stuff because usually in a first draft, I'm trying to get the bones of the story together. And for me, that's really, like, how are the characters relating to each other? What are the, like, plot beats that drives it forward? How are people feeling? Um, And a lot of times for me, plot comes very second to that. Um, And so for me, 
a lot of that kind of setting building and making it feel like you're in this sort of rich place that like the reader can really put themselves in comes in revision. Also, one, I think you're a really, really great dialogue writer. And so, I mean, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but not every novel has to have everything if it does the things it's trying to do correctly. Like, not all your novels have to build lush worlds that people step into. They could build lush conversations to totally. people. But you still want to be able heads. to yes. You still want to be able to envision like what like if, if two characters are sitting in a room, what does that room look like? Like you at least want to have some context clues unless unless, unless you're, you're doing it on purpose, I yeah, guess, unless to disorientate. Exactly. But like often it's just like, okay, they're at school. What is like just give me a little bit about what the yeah. school looks unless like. Unless you're trying to make it be like, oh, they're just it's a blur school, didn't even really notice it happened. Yeah. I mean, obviously all rules are there to be broken, yes. but some of the best feedback that I've gotten um in in my sort of writing critiques is, you know, people want to like especially like at the Renaissance fair, sure. people want to know what the food tastes like. People want to know what oh, music's absolutely. playing. People want to know what the costumes That's look a good like. Point. Pe- you know, there's so many things that you can really do to just like amp that experience up. And I'm I just the worst. I just don't do that in the first write through. That's just not what's a t- the top of my mind and so it's something that I'm working on a lot I'm the worst because every time I hear a writing rule and this is the worst considering this podcast topics but I'm always just thinking in the back of my head how can I break that in an interesting way as long as you understand the rule <laughs> enough to know how to break it on purpose now I want to write a novel in which the setting or at least a short story in which the setting is intentionally not talked about but an actual good useful conversation <laughs> I'm I, sure that exists. I actually really, really loved. This is another way that Christina and I di- differentiate a little bit. Is I really, really love setting description, and I tend to talk about setting description, especially in the beginnings of my drafts, quite a lot. I want Helps to pad word count, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to get actually better because my last fantasy novel I read through, and I just like. I remember at the very beginning being a lot more detailed about setting Mm -hmm. and place and the fruit and this or that, and then eventually getting to a point where, yeah, I was really focusing on moving the plot forward and Mm -hmm. less focusing on description, and I just wanted to make things more fantastical. And yeah, so I, I think your point about having that be available as a tool in your second draft is totally legitimate. And honestly, a lot of the things we talk about, there may be something you love writing quickly and you love doing and that's what you focus on in your first draft and then you work on other things in your second draft that's legit yeah totally like for me the dialogue and and like interpersonal kind of monologuing is what makes writing go quickly for me so Mm -hmm. I just naturally gravitate there especially when it's a NaNoWriMo situation um but yeah that's I mean that's what all the various drafts that you're gonna have to do on your book are for you know is each time you can kind of like look at it from a new angle and you can kind of figure out what's missing and you can and you can figure out what needs to be added um especially if those things are a little bit more outside your comfort zone you can take your time with it a little bit more I just remembered like I write slow dialogue or like when I write dialogue I write slow that's so and when funny. you write dialogue, you write fast. Woo, just Woo. flying. Yeah, and it's the opposite. I also just remembered that I wrote a novel that had 26 different settings. There is a distinct alternate reality world tied to each letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really do like setting. Whereas I once wrote a book that literally had no setting because in the end you find out, because it's all like chat logs. 
Oh, yeah. And in the end, you find out that, like, it's all happening on a computer, and it's all a simulation. They weren't even real people. Spoilers. That was a terrible book. I'm never going to do anything with that. <laughs> Let me read it. No. Well, it actually, when I went back and read it, like, this was always sort of, like, the, the like, the black spot on my record of, like, but none of my books are, like, great after, you know, just sort of powering through Nano. But, like, that one in my mind was always the one where I was, like, oh, my God, I, like, had a stroke that year. Like, I don't even know what <laughs> happened. And this isn't even the, like, alien spaceship, like, quad genre book. This is, like, this is, like, a step beyond. But when I read it back, it was, like, the idea itself was kind of dumb, but the individual writing was actually, like, not bad. I like the idea of never fully describing what our novels are called or whatnot and just seeing if after, like, 20 episodes, people can piece together the plots of each one and separate them. I know. It's a new mini game. Because I don't even know if when I mention things, if people know that it's, like, a book I've talked about before. Like if I'm or, talk- like, a separate one or a new one. Right. Right. Maybe some, maybe people can, like, you know, they'll look, they'll write out, like, 1 through 13 and then try to piece together, like, which thing, well, also they can just look on my nano profile, because I have. Yeah, but which one's about what? Do you have descriptions? Uh, some, uh, I have, like, at least a sentence. I have, um, book covers, yeah. Yeah, me too. Go, go I don't know if people know that, actually. Yeah, go and check out our, um, nano pages, actually, and if you want to see the titles of what we've worked on, I do not remember my nano profile name. It's Cheshire. No, but I changed it. Oh, you changed it. it. Oh, I take so, it back. when I first started Nano, I named myself something stupid based on the first book I, I was writing. And I hated it for years. And then I changed it and now I'm sort of sad. Yeah. Uh, whereas mine is really super neat because it was the username that I was using when I was like 18. No. Actually, I realized in a previous episode that I said that my first year of Nano was 19. But that was I was actually 16. Because it was 13 years ago. And I'm... Wait. No. Hold on. No. What year is it? I don't even know. 17? I think I was like 17. Anyway, the point is, uh, that was the thing I used when I was that old, which was really super neat. Oh, okay. Um, so I just looked at it and my author name is Liz Space Leo or Liz Dash Leo. I think both work. Yeah. So it's actually just my name. Yeah. Whereas mine's, mine's still really super neat. Well, Christina, you're really super neat. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we both have actually gone through and made book covers for all of our nano projects. And I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying that I am not a graphic designer. So mine are like medium good, but I feel happy when I look at my page because it makes me feel like the books are already done and that I don't have just years of work ahead of me. And I made mine all in the same style as if I was an author who had died and they had posthumously, posthumously yeah. put together a collection of my work. But this is like the second printing version yes, of them. this is yeah. the second printing of all my books yeah. because, again, a posthumous uh, printing of my collection. Yeah. So I think that's it for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, please uh, send us a tweet at howtowinnano. You can also email us if you have anything maybe longer than however many characters Twitter allows these 280 days. 280 now, I 280, think. 280, yeah. yeah. At howtowinnano at gmail.com. And we've been getting some awesome letters from you guys, so please keep doing it. We love it. And we'd like to read some letters out loud on the podcast, so actually, if you do send something in, please let us know if you'd um, give us permission to read your letter and what um, your name you're comfortable with us sharing and maybe your pronouns. 
Also check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash howtowinnano. We're going to have some awesome perks. We're starting small, but we're going to try and grow the levels of things that we offer. We just want to have a way to keep you guys involved in uh, basically all the stuff we're doing and offer you cool stuff as well. Yeah, and maybe we'll even like share some of our writing. Yeah, I can finally read that novel, Christina. Nah. Mm. <laughs> um... If you guys want to reach out and let us know on Twitter or in an email what your favorite genre is to write and maybe um, maybe a time you went outside of your comfort zone um, and wrote a different genre and maybe how that went for you, we would love to hear your stories. Um, and until next time, keep, keep writing. writing. I don't know if I like saying it together. Do we? We don't I usually think, say it together, do we? No. Okay. But sorry, you always want to. It's always like you're, you're like, go -to. I see you like... Like, <gasps> <laughs> okay, sorry, do it again then. And until next time, keep writing. Keep writing. So this week we're going to be talking about setting. Setting. And... <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> go with it. Okay, next time we'll go with it now that I know what's happening. <laughs> Okay. Let's try to keep it exciting. Okay. <laughs> okay. This week we're going to be talking about. <laughs> I know it's coming now. <laughs> you messed it up.